Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Word association with John MacArthur. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior high. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Stuffed! I am totally stuffed! Let's just do tapas. This is Wretched Radio. Don't know if you're aware of this trend in America. It's called tapas food. I believe it's a Spanish word that means you're going to leave hungry, but your billfold will be lighter. Apparently, you can put a lot of meaning in one word in some languages tapas food they're little plates they're they're basically hors d'oeuvres served for dinner lots of them so if you like tapas you're gonna love this you say frio why are we eating lightly because i personally am stuffed how did i get so full sunday service three baptisms fed me to the gills whatever that means don't know if you react the same way that some of us do, at least looking around my church. Woof-da. A lot of people getting verklempt because three young people, they weren't all that young, but they were three younger people, probably 20-ish in that neighborhood, that gave their testimony and then did the foolish act of getting dunked in a jacuzzi which is precisely what baptism is. It is a recognition, I believe, the foolishness of God, that I am dead to sin. I've been raised to life in Jesus Christ. And now you can count on me to live differently. It is a public testimony. It is an external act of an inward work of grace. And I got to tell you something. Mm. Just full after watching it. How does watching a baptism feed you? Well, it works the same way communion should be working. In Acts chapter 2, we are given a list of the means of growth. That's my preferred title, means of growth. You read your Bible. You listen to preaching. You fellowship. You pray. You take communion? How does this physical act feed you spiritually? And the answer is, we're thinking, and we're watching, and it's tactile. We remember this was the body of Jesus Christ, not in a Roman Catholic kind of way. (laughs) We kind of settled that about 500 years ago. By the way, speaking of the Roman Catholic Church... (laughs) (laughs) Matt Walsh, did you see this tweet? Somebody sent it to me. I suspect it was Bart. Sent me a tweet. Matt Walsh said something like, it is time to clean house in the Roman Catholic Church, calling on priests, bishops to speak out loudly and boldly and courageously to clean it up. And somebody posted underneath it, already happened. It's called the Protestant Reformation. Oh, 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 oh. And speaking of the Roman Catholic Church, I mean, after all, look at the season, would you? The Pope confessed and admitted that priests are watching 
pornography. That's right. This is a quote from the 85-year-old pontiff. It is a vice that many people have, many laymen, many laywomen, and also priests and nuns. Well, that's nice to know. I was going to say knock me over with a feather, but of course that's going to be going on in those quarters. The devil gets in that way, said the Pope. And I'm not just talking about criminal pornography like that involving the abuse of children. That is already degeneration, but pornography that is a little normal, (laughs) you know, mainstream porn that they're not watching the bad stuff. They're just watching the sort of stuff. I'm paraphrasing. He cautioned priests and nuns saying, dear brothers, be careful about this. How's about you'll stop and we're going to need to examine whether or not you should actually be in ministry. Catholic priests and nuns are forbidden from watching pornography with the catechism defining sexual imagery as an offense against chastity. Hmm. And God, there's there's that part, too. So happy Reformation Day, Matt. (laughs) back to baptisms when you take the lord's supper you said baptisms friel first things first you eat the bread you drink the cup which again i believe is another spanish word that means welch's grape juice you eat and you drink and you think you remember this is what the lord did for me and in a similar sense but not completely analogous baptism is also a physical, tactile sort of thing. I see it. I watch him getting wet. I might even be the one to dunk him. What are we seeing? We're seeing the work of God right in our midst. And don't we need that these days? You take a look at what's going on in our culture, and you can get a little bit blue. We're going to leave a mess for our children. This society is crumbling we're we're becoming so depraved as a nation, and we most certainly are when you've got the President of the United States saying it should be a crime that we don't allow transgender surgery on children. Oh, wow. I mean, how many more marks? You ask the question, are we a great nation? Well, it depends on your terms. what 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 are the criteria? If it's morality, if it's leadership, you would have to say, we ain't doing so good. And so it is on Sunday. I watched three people give a testimony that God is still working. God is still active in the lives of even young people. You maybe are a little frustrated by the upcoming generation. Personally, I find them quite intriguing, interesting, and a group from which we can actually learn. But if you are feeling that way, then then go watch a baptism. And if you're young, you've repented, put your trust in Jesus Christ, and you have not been baptized, guess what today is? The day you call up your pastor and say, I got to get dunked, sir. Unless, of course, you're in some Southern Baptist churches, and then it could be madam. Did you see that, by the way? There was an open letter. Hold on. I've got it here. Yep, I got it right here. You'd think I planned this. Freel, we would never think that. This was an open letter that's been signed by over 800 people, written by Mike Law to the SBC Executive Committee. 
He's the pastor of Arlington Baptist Church in Arlington, Virginia. He wants an amendment. The original article of the Baptist Faith and Message says that a New Testament church's scriptural officers are pastors and deacons. While both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. You say that's airtight already. Nope. There's a clever new ruse which says we slap an adjective in front of the title of pastor, and then we're not violating the clear prohibition that only men should be elders. That's what's going on. Apparently more than I thought in the SBC. So they'd like it to read that we do not affirm, appoint, or employ a woman as pastor. Here it comes. Prepositional phrases are important of any kind. That should put an end to it. He writes, personally, I felt the need to offer this amendment because five Southern Baptist churches, roughly within a five-mile radius of my own congregation, are employing women as pastors of various kinds, including senior pastor. Yikes. Many others have found that a number of Southern Baptist churches appoint a firm or, uh, or pastor, women and children's pastor, discipleship pastor, youth pastor, but all trade on the office of pastor. Can you imagine a baptism pastor? That's right. We're tying these two stories together. A baptist That's all they do. Their job is just to baptize. And you said, then why are you calling you a pastor? A pastor is a particular office with a particular function. And when you assume those functions, you're assuming the office. When you assume the title, can, how's about this? It's the left-handed pastor. You know, for years, left-handed people have been looked at askance. They're sinister. Actually, from a Latin word, sinister, which means evil, because it was assumed left-handed people are not normal. Therefore, they are evil. How's about a left-handed pastor? Now, let's call him a sinister pastor. That would be, that would be a little bit more classic, kind of kind of Jerome, early church-ish. You'd say, that's what do you what left-handed pastor yeah he, she just ministers to left-handed people but she's not really a pastor like it says in first timothy 2 and 3 and titus 1 you would say that's kooky we shouldn't have a left-handed or a baptism pastor which brings us back to the jacuzzi if you are young and you've never been baptized oh please get it done it is the first act of obedience and if you won't obey that command, look out. You probably are missing a bunch of others. Be obedient. Do the foolish looking thing. And I am telling you, you will feed your congregation. I looked around my church. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Well, mine was dry, but because uh, I want it was beautiful. And you will be blessing your local body if you would be obedient to baptism. This is Wretched Radio. 
like the Pointer Sisters. I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Thanks for joining us on Wretched Radio today. Have you had the opportunity to check out Season 1 of Transformed? It's like nothing else you'll find on Christian TV. You get the opportunity to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions that tackle issues like anxiety and depression and OCD and substance abuse. You'll see how biblical counseling gets to the heart of issues. Transformed is changing lives. And don't just take my word for it. Thank you guys so much for Transformed. Transformed has literally changed my life. Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson do a masterful job with Transformed. Season 1 is available now at Transformed.org. Season 2 is currently in development as well as Transformed Couples. And all of this is only made possible by our Gospel Partners. If you're not currently a Gospel Partner, check out Wretched.org slash donate to get answers to any question you may possibly ever have about becoming a Gospel Partner. That's Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Two. That's right, 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, their parents are getting saved, the church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches it became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 529 AD, Benedict of Nursia establishes his monastic order outside of Rome. His written code of conduct, called the Benedictine Rule, becomes the most influential guide for centuries of monasticism in the West. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't you worry. No rich dining here. This is Wretched Radio. If you are looking for something light, well, (laughs) if we got something for you, evangelical Gnosticism, oofta. What is that, you say? Well, it is from Abigail Rhein Favale. I hope I said that right. At first things, she teaches at George Fox University. It is a Christian university, and she's describing her students and their attitude about the body. 
the attitude about this corporeal experience that we have, which apparently the kids are very fond of calling a meat suit. Not like meet and greet or e-harmony. It's a meat, M-E-A-T, suit. Now, I like meat just as much as the next guy, but calling the human body a meat suit seems to trivialize it. And so it is. The body is being trivialized, apparently, if this is any indication of an up-and-coming generation. An overwhelming majority, this is what she writes, of students do not believe in a bodily resurrection. Apparently, we're all going to just be cast for the ghost floating around. While they trust in an afterlife of eternal bliss with God, most of them assume this will be disembodied bliss in which the soul is finally free of its meat suit. Now, is that heresy? No, it's aberrant, most certainly. And I quite honestly don't know how that can be missed unless, of course, these young people aren't reading their Bibles from cover to cover. Apparently, they gloss over 1 Corinthians 15. It just, nope, nothing to see here, folks. Nothing about that eternal body, that resurrection body that is going to be built for eternity. Instead, they are acting like Gnostics. What are the Gnostics? Well, the Gnostics were already around in an immature form in the first century. Paul was concerned about Gnosticism in the church. It's a higher knowledge, Gnosis. It's to to know more than the other guy. You see, you come into our little club and you're going to learn the secrets of the universe. Oh, I'll come in. Please note, Christianity is entirely 180. It is backwards from that. No, 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 no. God will reveal himself to you, and you then become a member of a body where you grow in your knowledge, but it isn't a secret club. We share the knowledge of the gospel. We don't offer, come on in and There's some really good surprises behind the curtain. No, we'll let people know up front, this is what we have to offer, Jesus Christ and everlasting life. And that comes from humbling yourself, repenting, putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then ultimately getting baptized, but not for salvation, but because of salvation. Gnosticism makes it a club, a little click. By the way, perhaps you've heard Vody Bakum call CRT an ethnic Gnosticism, where a group of people, by virtue of their skin color, knows the hearts and minds of an entire group of other ethnic people. That's Gnosticism. We can't know the heart of others. We can't know what's going on in there. At best, it's a deep well. A wise man draws things out. That is to be sure. But we don't, we can't read people's minds. That's what Gnosticism is. And we are seeing it again. And I have to tell you, this is in alignment with the dualistic Platonism that we've seen in the church now for centuries. And I experienced it the other day out at Kennesaw State University, talking to a young man. It turns out he was Roman Catholic and thoroughly postmodern, as so many are. 
And I asked this man about truth, and it's all subjective. Your truth is your truth. I would never impose my Catholic values on anybody. Same old, same old. And I said, two plus two, what is it? Four. I think it's 64. Am I wrong? And quote, he said, well, that's math. See what he did there? That's a dualism. You've got yourself science and math and facts. And you've got yourself tests and laboratories where we can see and repeat experiments to know what is so. That's the realm of reality, the physical, the spiritual stuff, separate. And that's what Gnosticism does. It separates spirit and body back to uh, the article. And wow, we're going to go way back. Cicero describes the body as a prison from which the immortal soul is mercifully freed upon death. That's, that's an attitude that a lot of unbelievers have these days. I'll be done with this mortal coil, and I'll get to go to any, I don't care if they turn out the lights, at least I'll have peace. Seneca views the body as nothing more or less than a fetter on my freedom. One eventually dissolved when the soul is set loose. Now, those are actually quite attractive to the unbeliever. It allows them to put a little salve on that open sore that says sin. Well, I won't have to deal with it. I'll be all done with everything. Good. Just going to go to a dark place. I won't even be aware. This woman writes, fewer than 10 of my 40 students affirmed the orthodox teaching that we will ultimately have a body in our glorified heavenly form. And that's why she's calling it evangelical Gnosticism. Not a light subject at all, but an important one. Young evangelicals are developing heterodox sensibilities that are at odds with a Christian understanding of personhood. Because the body is associated with sin, correct, there is still sin in our mortal members because we are not yet glorified. This is why theology is so important. What was going on in these youth groups? They never talked about such things. They never talked about the glories of heaven. They never mentioned, for instance, that we're actually going to be dwelling on a physical property, a new earth with new bodies. That's, that's eternity. How could that be missed in youth group? Apparently, they couldn't squeeze it in between gross-out games and dominoes. And now the kids are indeed heterodox. This isn't, this isn't heresy land, per se. They're missing out. Listen to the promises of getting a new body. The aches and pains are going to be gone. You're, you're going to live the way that God originally made the planet for eternity. The view of embodiment as the epitome of evil was a central tenet of Gnosticism, which St. Irenaeus refuted in the late 2nd century. So this has been going on for a bit. The notion that our fall is metaphysical, not moral, persisted. In the early 5th century, by the way, this allows you to sin. Body separate, spirit another thing. The spirit's the important thing. Body, da, nothing. It's just going to be worm food. So do with it as you see fit. That's Gnosticism, too. In the early 5th century, St. Augustine, or Augustine, if you live in Florida, faced an interpretation of St. Paul. So somebody was 
trying to give a little systematic on St. Paul, that place the apostles' warning about the weakness of our flesh and our bondage to carnal works within a platonic framework. That's the platonic separation, the dualism. For the Platonist, the material world and the spiritual world are distinct and ordered. The material is illusory, temporary, imperfect. The body is the seat of harmful desires and passions from which the soul must be released because the body weighs down and corrupts the soul. That's what the kids apparently are thinking these days because they aren't being taught systematic theology. They aren't being taught the doctrines of eternity. In the Christian understanding, back to our article, of sin and human nature, as articulated by Augustine, it was not the corruptible flesh that made the soul sinful. It was the sinful soul that made the flesh corruptible. I want to be careful with that because I think the distinction needs to be made. We have a tendency. Nobody's a heretic for saying it. We've got this old nature. No, we don't. We've got one new nature. You've got this carcass, this flesh, which one day it will be glorified. It is important to remember that we are dualists. We don't think that we are just spirits with some sort of physical form that's containing us until we're set free. But apparently that's what the kids think. Got a question for you, as always. Are you teaching students important things, heavier subjects than just, hey, uh, let's talk about dating and Twitter, man. All right, finish up, everybody. You can bring your your cokes into the into the sanctuary. Just listen to me, please, for a second. We need to side with Cyril and the individuals who wrote the Chalcedonian Creed to resist the trend that denigrates the body in a false view, and this will elevate the soul with it. Are you teaching your kids theology? Apparently not many are, sadly. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Arizona U.S. Representative Paul Gosser urged the National Institute of Health last week to investigate the actual science behind gender-affirming care for minors, which is actually the process that involves chemical and physical mutilation of children. Gosser correctly said that our children are the very future of our civilization and they must be protected at all costs. He also blasted claims that transgender surgeries and hormone treatments improve the mental health of recipients citing a Swedish study that found persons with transsexualism after sex reassignment have considerably higher risks for mortality, suicidal behavior, and psychiatric morbidity than the general population. Another abortion center in the U.S. has closed its doors for good. A building that belongs to the former Affiliated Medical Services Abortuary in Milwaukee has gone up for sale after it murdered unborn babies for almost three decades. Abortion became illegal in Wisconsin June 24th after Roe v. Wade being overturned allowed the state to return to its 1849 law that strictly prohibits abortions except to save the life of the mother. And this particular abortion mill did offer other services to women, though the act of baby murder was removed from their list of services. They had, quote, an insignificant amount of traffic for their doors to remain open. 
A public school in Washington, D.C. is serving students as young as 11 years old about their sexual identity and transgender status using a questionnaire from a firm owned by the U.S. Attorney General's son-in-law. An email from the school system to parents last week did say that the parents could opt their children out of the survey, but it's a survey that should not exist in the first place. Just to give you a good idea of the state of the morality in this country, a new study from the New York Times is actually lamenting that the lives of 10,000 babies were saved after Roe vs. Wade was overturned. And while the New York Times may be sad over that, it's something we, as Christians, should definitely be rejoicing over. So a Pride Festival recently took place in Tyler, Texas, and one of the booths featured the Satanic Temple handing out unbaptisms to people. And because it's so demonic and creepy, I'm not going to mention how they actually went through the process of the unbaptism, but I will say that for an extra $10, you could get a certificate of your unbaptism. Yeah, you know, on one hand, it is sad to watch the lengths that the pagan world goes through to besmirch the name of Christ. But also, on the other hand, we can take comfort in the fact in knowing that anyone who has been rightly baptized after a genuine salvation isn't seeking an unbaptism. But I don't think that's something the people of the Satanic Temple even realize. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Nehemiah is the continuing story of exiles returning from Babylonian captivity. In this book, the people rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and renew the covenant under the leadership of Nehemiah. Despite opposition, the wall is rebuilt in 52 days, and it's perceived as a work wrought by God. God will bless that work which brings Him honor. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Care for a plate of total depravity? This is Wretched Radio. That's right, Jimmy. I'm sticking with this light dining motif we got going on It here. seems to be working evangelical Gnosticism and total depravity. Don't worry, it won't be much. Just a little unsatisfying plate. You know, tapas food. This was written by John Hartley, Place for Truth, talking about the doctrine of total depravity, which liberals would reject because it seems so mean. They're Pelagian. They believe that people are born sinless. Just met some guys that taught that. Mm-mm. Mm, mm, mm. All you, what I was watching a, you know, these, I don't know. I don't do the things. Where do you see the videos, Jimmy? YouTube. Maybe yeah, there too, but like the Instagram stuff, whatever, like the short video, whatever. <laughs> it was, it was. TikTok. Sure. I was on TikTok. I don't, I don't know. <sighs> was watching a little kid just pitch a total fit, like three months. Like, seriously? You don't think that that's sin right there? Now, a child needs to cry. That is their form of communication, and it isn't necessarily sinful, which is why we believe the little Lord Jesus, not a sound did he make. Um, no, he cried because that's how babies communicate a need. But there is a sinful cry that can come from children, and it seems quite obvious. It's self-centered. It's, it's angry in its tone, and it's because we are totally depraved. Please note, this doesn't mean that you sin as much as possible. It just means that every single member is defiled by sin. You're saturated in sin 
from your mother's womb. In other words, at conception. Now, liberals would say, no, people are basically good. It is the world that corrupts. Well, Rousseau would probably agree with that, but the Bible doesn't. In sin was I born, in iniquity did my mother conceive me. And as is always the case, when you go liberal, you forfeit blessings. And in this instance, the blessings are patience, understanding, loving kindness. You say, what do they have to do with total depravity? Well, consider what our attitude should be when we look at another person and realize they're totally depraved. They're just, they were born into that. They, they, it wasn't nurtured. That's their very nature. This will help you in a number of realms of life. For instance, again, this is from John Hartley. Consider first the expectations of Christian parents. Some parents, they're so disturbed that their kids are such monsters. And then it persists for, well, ever. And they just keep rebelling. And then they become teenagers and they really rebel. And you're wondering what's going on. The answer is total depravity. Now, doesn't that perhaps offer you some comfort? If we, if we deny classic biblical doctrines, it is to our own detriment. We get comfort from the doctrine of total depravity. We get a lot of other things like, you know, an incentive to evangelize. But just to be selfish for a moment, what do I get out of this doctrine? And the answer is comfort. I don't lose my cool with my kids. I don't shout, what is the matter with them? Answer, they're totally depraved. How could you do that? They're totally depraved. I I never did that as a kid. Eh, Wrong. You were totally depraved too. Don't we grade ourselves liberally? I mean, if there's a curve, you and I benefit from it mightily when we're judging ourselves. We were the very same. Comfort is a fruit of the doctrine of total depravity from the article. We so easily expect children to be reformed by rules that we soon become hardened when they are not. Does that maybe describe you, mom and dad? That you're, you're burned out? You've tried all the parenting models and methods to just get these little kids to behave They need something more radical. They need a lot of patience. They need a lot of understanding. And they need a lot of gospel. They need to be regenerated. They need their wicked little hearts to be transplanted. A wise man once said, The doctrine of total depravity should stir deep compassion in parents. For after all of the first things we, after all, it was the first thing we gave our children. Their sin nature. Huh. Why are you acting? Now, now, this is a kid who's learning doctrines like total depravity. Son, I am shocked at your behavior. Father, have you forgotten the doctrine of total depravity? Well, that is no excuse. You, you shouldn't be doing that. Bob, I got it from you. Number two realm that the doctrine of total depravity blesses us when we remember it. Consider the expectations of Christian citizens. How easily we become agitated and irate and inhospitable and downright hateful toward neighbors when they don't hold to fill in the blank. These days it can be political, 
It can be about what somebody's favorite ice cream is. It doesn't matter. We just, you don't believe, this is a trend. I see this. I experience this. I feel this myself. I have a sense that it comes from the cultural air that we breathe constantly. That I'm right, you're wrong, and there is no consideration for the other side whatsoever. And if you don't align with me with every single jot and tittle, I do a Spock eyebrow and I'm suspicious of you. Dude likes the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Red flag. They smoke marijuana in that state. <laughs> and then we separate. Or I just, well, you're not my cup of tea. Isn't that a propensity of our day? Maybe the doctrine of total depravity helps. Let's just consider your neighborhood, the secular folks that you work with. They're just totally depraved. It's the, it's the epoch, dare I say, dispensation that we're in. The totally depraved era. And this doctrine should cause us to not be so mad, short-tempered, impatient, frustrated, and maybe vengeful toward people who do not align with us perfectly. And this also goes inside of the church. There are definitely doctrines. We talk about them regularly here. There are definitely doctrines that put you on the outs. There are certain essentials that must be agreed upon in order for there to be unity. Without those essentials, you don't have unity. And we strive for that, but we also need to recognize there can be some theological issues where we just disagree. Consider John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul. Were they similar? Yeah, they were identical on the essentials. Did they agree on dispensationalism and covenantalism? No, they had a disagreement on eschatology. That's kind of a big deal. But they loved each other because they were square on the essentials. Baptism. John MacArthur rightly believed in believers' baptism. R.C. Sproul, well, not so much. Pedo-baptism. And yet there was love between the two. We don't see that much these days, do we? You disagree with me on anything, including social observations. What you think is going on in the... Co- We've become so sensitive. For instance... Hey, Jimmy. Yes. Um, say hello number. On a scale of 1 to 10, how outraged are you when we saw cities burning down? Four. Four? You're just a four. That was a right. You need to be a 10. And if somebody doesn't match my outrage toward a moral ill or a societal issue, guess what? <laughs> and I thought you were a Christian. Total depravity might just help us with that. Third realm, government. I was just reading an article somewhere in Texas. They were this church. I don't know anything about them, but they were they were they were saying that there's a demonic spirit in the city council that is being active right now. I, I couldn't say it definitively. I don't know the city council, but the decisions that representatives are making these days, government officials, if that isn't satanic business, I, I don't know what is. Wicked people making wicked decisions. Why am I shocked? Oh, yeah, it's because I've forgotten the doctrine of total depravity. Number four. 
Consider the expectations of a spouse that we want them to be perfect. We don't want them to ever get in our way, to do something that rankles us. It's it's amazing how quick we are to forget the doctrine of total depravity and get torqued at our own spouses as if we don't do stuff too. We do. And maybe, just maybe, studying the doctrine of total depravity and agreeing upon it would help us in so many realms, not to mention you will be blessed in studying total depravity because you will have a greater appreciation that Jesus Christ died for totally depraved sinners. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free loving Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched is our culture headed toward communism socialism or just a dystopian society altogether who decides what's good and evil who decides what truth is those are really great questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of you, our gospel partners. If you're a Wretched Gospel partner, we humbly thank you for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy that they may believers blush and if you aren't currently would you pray about becoming a monthly wretched gospel partner and help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel just visit wretched.org slash donate or you can also text the word wretched to the number 44321 how's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home would you please visit medishare dot com slash wretched affordable biblical health sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff second of all you can save on average five hundred dollars per month and finally MediShare it's the gold standard for health care sharing for more than 25 years it works and the members including myself and mrs freel love it which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance if inflation has got you down call up the people at medishare 844-34-BIBLE or medishare.com wretched 
Names of God Is Jesus God? One name given to God in Scripture is El Gibor, the Mighty God. One occurrence of this name stands out. In Isaiah chapter 9, El Gibor is the name given to the promised Messiah. Jesus is that promised Messiah. He is God incarnate. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't you worry. We'll get back to total depravity in a moment. Jimmy, that didn't quite come out the way that I anticipated. (laughs) This is Wretched Radio. Before we gain assurance of our salvation by studying the doctrine of total depravity, let me remind you of the vast number of totally depraved children are in Ukraine and Russia and Moldova and Georgia. This is why missionaries, we went. We got to go. We got to bring the good news to these people who have never heard the name of Jesus. I bring this up because I would like to draw to your attention the amazing work that Tomorrow Clubs are doing in Ukraine and Russia and Romania and Albania and any other Eastern European nation that ends with an A because they recognize these kids are totally depraved and they need a savior. They preach the gospel to them. They've expanded now into Africa. If you're looking to participate in the Great Commission in that way, don't know that you can do better than the very efficient Tomorrow Clubs. Please consider learning more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Now then, back to our regularly scheduled, totally depraved, Content that didn't come out right again. <laughs> Close enough. How can total depravity give you assurance? Let us take a look at an article written by one Mark Sanders. The opposite of sexual sin. One of the most consistent challenges that I see for Christians based on conversations, based on emails, is a lack of assurance. They, they just struggle. Maybe that describes you. You did pretty good today, so I think I'm in. Tomorrow you fall and suddenly you're out again. Now, just for yucks, let's consider what you are stating when you think that you are saved because of your behavior. You're saying that your behavior is what is keeping you in, and it's not. It's Jesus who keeps you in, even when your behavior is indeed totally depraved. Don't fall into this trap. Milton Vincent preaches a bang-up sermon on Romans 5, 1 and 2 on the doctrine of justification. So magnificent. He describes his own experience. I would rededicate my life to Christ. He went to a camp. They preached the gospel around the fire, and then they had to take a stick and throw the stick into the fire showing that they are dying to sin and he would come home all except want to be rebaptized. then he'd do pretty well for a few days <laughs> and then he'd fall but here's the deception he wasn't doing well at all and it's not his obedience that keeps him saved to be certain obedience is a sign of salvation but it does not maintain your status as a justified one in the courtroom of God. Jesus does that work. The opposite of sexual sin perhaps describes you. 
and perhaps remembering the doctrine of total depravity will release you from the ongoing joylessness you experience. When the Bible says we're totally depraved, when the Bible says that we will not be free from this mortal coil until we die, are glorified, Jesus returns, raises everyone from the dead, and gives everybody their new and improved eternal body. Until that time, you're going to wrestle with sin. But by the way, the operative word is wrestle. If you don't wrestle with sin, something's wrong. If you don't hate your sin, you've got to take a better look at yourself and ask, why doesn't this bother me? Now, even as I say that, I can't tell you how many emails that I've read where somebody will say, but I don't feel as bad as I used to feel. That, that's a possibility. And we need to remember that there should be conviction over sin our entire life. But it's going to take on a different flavor, a different shape. You're, you're going to, for instance, pride. Pride. Before getting saved, I wasn't even aware of what it actually is. Because... I had so much of it. I was blinded by it. I was so prideful. I didn't realize it. Well, now as a Christian, I see it and it's, I abhor that. Ah, what's the matter with me? But it doesn't lead me to despair because I remember while we consider the doctrine of total depravity, we cannot do it without considering the doctrine of justification that justifies totally depraved sinners. Anyone, this is the article, anyone who's experienced being enslaved by a life-dominating sin knows how easy it is to let that struggle become the lens through which you see all of life. Many men consider pornography right now. That is everything. And you base your status in the kingdom of God based on your ability to resist temptation. And to not fire up the computer and watch filthy pixels. That has become the centerpiece of your life. And on the days you do well, you're in. On the day you fall, not sure I'm saved. They see their entire moral responsibility resting on a single prohibition. Thou shalt not blank. What's yours? Do you have one of those? You, you wrestle with that besetting sin, and you feel like if, if, I, if I don't master it totally, I'm not sure that I'm in, the, I'm, I'm, I'm in the family of God. Now, we want to always be careful with this because you don't want to give people liberty for licentiousness. But please note, the genuine Christian won't do that. This is why it has been said that grace preaching is more dangerous than law preaching. You say, law preaching? No, that's the scary stuff. Uh uh uh. Grace says, you're free to sin. Do you want to? You will be justified with, without wavering in the courtroom of God, even as you sin. Do you want to do that? And you don't. You, you, you don't want to do that. But you feel like, if I do, if I don't have complete victory, I'm out. Let's be willing to preach the dangerous doctrine of grace without fear that it'll somehow cause somebody to conclude, off to the sin races I go. I'm jumping on my sin pony and I'm racing around the track. 
I don't know that you do that with ponies. The point is preaching grace for those who are saved, it will not lead them to be libertine in their behavior. In fact, the more we preach it, the more people are going to not want to sin. Back to the article. These people start to measure the strength of their relationship with God based on whether they looked at, in this instance, pornography that day. Doesn't matter what else happened, good or bad. Refraining from sexual sin becomes the sole gauge of spiritual health. Does that describe you? First, there are two pitfalls to this. First, you become uninterested in any other area of sanctification in your life. If you have been constantly focusing on one particular issue, you're ignoring a bunch of others. And that's bad. You don't want that. Lying, stealing, idolatry, adultery, unrighteous anger. Don't even register as areas of needed growth because this sin has given you tunnel vision to any other problems. That's a pitfall. You've got to see that you're you're sinful in more ways than one, but Jesus is still mighty to save. Here's another pitfall. There may be much groundwork being done in your life when you continue to lose battles against temptation. Blindness to this good work that God is doing can co-opt a trajectory of growth through discouragement and despair. Because you're just focused on this sin, you don't see any growth going on anywhere else. Right? You're still in war with this sin, as well you should be, but you don't stop to go, I don't lie nearly as much as I used to. In fact, I can just see the words coming down that, like a one-armed bandit. No, that's not, yeah, like coins. This is a gambling reference. I'm not real good at these, but you pull the slot machine. What? The slot machine. Slot machine. Yeah, I'm going to. Season game. Out come the coins. Yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> Out come the coins. Well, that's you're you're a slot machine, and you see the coins coming down, and you go, "No, I'm about to lie." Well, you won't appreciate the Holy Spirit's work in your life if you're just fixated on one sin. Don't do that. Don't just stay stuck on one sin. Now, this does not mean you don't stop warring against it, fighting against it battling. It doesn't mean you become lax in any way, shape, or form. But if you will remember, yep, totally depraved, totally righteousness, called as a saint, I'm totally righteous, positionally with God. Now go live like it. Now go strive to be what you already are knowing that as you war against sin, that's the key, the battle. If there's no battle, you got big problems. But if you're in the battle and you're besetting sin, it just stays at your heels. You, you thought it'd be gone by now, but it's not. Don't let that cause you to lack assurance. Remember the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And that knowledge will be the very thing that helps you kill that besetting sin. Until tomorrow. Go serve your king.